0: Love Talk Radio. Well, hello, good evening. Uh, it's uh, November 5th, 2019, and we're to episode 191 of the Crystal Silence League, and tonight we're going to talk about Trump 20, Judgment. Oh, my goodness, what a frightening and beautiful image it is, too. Well, uh, we went from 100 degrees last week to about 19 degrees this week. This is weather in East Tennessee. You uh, you never know how to dress. You dress in layers down here so that you can strip down. In the morning, you start out bundled up like you're going to the Arctic, and then by afternoon, you're wearing a T-shirt. That's just the way it is around here. I don't know how it is where you live. Um, hopefully, the weather's not quite as uh, bipolar uh, as it is here. We had the uh, Arctic vortex come through uh, Last Friday, it was uh, freezing. It was bitter to the bone. My skeleton was cold. And uh, the greatest blessing on this earth, I do believe, is hot coffee. There, there's nothing, nothing better than hot coffee on oh, the morning. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Keeps the boogers away. I see the animal man huddled in a cave with a fire, the wind whistling outside, huddled around his stone cup. Filled with whatever hot brew they drank back in those days. You know, uh, uh, dried stegosaurus dung or whatever, um, dipped in a hot coffee. Or, uh, that was their former coffee back then, probably. Petrified stegosaurus dung, they'd find it, you know, brew it up. That's what I imagine anyway. This is the Crystal Silence League where we uh, work with. Uh, Stegosaurus dung, other crystals, to promote health, vitality, and enlightenment. And uh, the Crystal Silence League was founded around um, 1917 or so by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlin, for the purpose of projecting positive prayer and affirmation for all those in need of such. And his organization grew to many thousands of people. And then he passed into the silence around 1954. And occasionally, we do hear from people that still carry the membership card. Uh, had a young man uh, send me a copy of his grandfather's membership card just uh, a little while ago, you know, if, you know about uh, two weeks ago. You know, and there it was, the signed by Mr. Conlon, the membership card to the Crystal Silence League. His grandfather carried it all of his days, in his wallet. And uh, we have membership cards. Uh, If you buy something from the shop, send a donation, buy a crystal, buy a book, um, you get a membership card. Good for one year. And um, we do several books. We have a couple of books uh, by the founder, Mr. Conlon. We have a book called Secrets of the Crystal Silence League, which came out uh, about a year ago or so which uh, compiles some of Mr. Conlon's um, writings. And we have um, a couple of books written by me, one called Crystal Magic and one called Lithomancy, both on the use of crystals for magic and divination. And we have lots of other things like that. Just go to the gift shop, which you can be found at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. That's .org, not .com. Crystalsilenceleague.org. And that's where you'll find us. You'll also find, by the way, our prayer page where people post prayers um, quite a bit. We get 100 to 200 prayer petitions a week. Prayers is always free at the Crystal Silence League. We do not charge to pray for you. And our crystal of the week um, is phenocyte, P-H-E-N-A-C-I-T-E, and sometimes called phenakite, um, P-H-E-N-A-K-I-T-E um and this is a crystal of uh, very high vibration and like many of the high vibration crystals it's a little bit rare uh, somewhat um costly but not not terribly so um and it is a high fib- high frequency high vibration crystal um this does uh, resonate to the upper three chakras the uh mostly the third eye and uh the very high crown chakra um this is used a lot by astral travelers and uh, people who are very uh, advanced in meditative absorption. And um, um, it is to um, – uh, okay, let me step back a bit. Brain scans of meditating monks, people who are very skilled in uh, meditative absorption, show a tremendous amount of activity in the frontal – and the prefrontal lobes of the brain the, the temporal lobes and uh, apparently phenocyte uh, helps stimulate the prefrontal and temporal lobes and uh, so because of this it can uh, help promote a state of bliss and a state of uh, meditative absorption um, so therefore, It helps with third eye and higher crown chakra uh, astral activities. Um, So presumably these high vibration crystals like this help you with astral travel, help you with the um, interdimensional explorations, uh, connecting with uh, the um, uh, interdimensional beings, astral beings, angels, uh, guardians, etc. So... um, the um there are groups of stones. We have uh, angelic stones for instance. Uh there's another group called the the uh the synergistic twelve stones, um which are uh uh Phenakite, moldavite, pidlite, danbarite, uh herderite, Brookite, uh, Tanzanite, um, uh, satellite quartz, naturalite, uh, scolosite, and Tibetan, Tibetan tectite. Uh, most of those, I believe, we have discussed on the show. Most of those, I think. Um, and um, these uh, uh, synergistic 12 stones, probably the topic of another show, but. Um, they are uh um, very very special uh, you know used for a higher vibrational travel um, uh, some of these um, um uh, phenocites are bonded with other stones they have inclusions uh, some phenocites have fluorite in them some have aquamarine and since these have uh, the bluish tinge to them, they can help with the throat chakra for uh, communication. Some of them are bonded with other stones. Uh, uh, there's one type of uh, phenakite that uh, has uh, uh, seraphinite, which is an angel stone inclusion. So uh, many stones, uh, they can uh, uh be bonded or included with stones and have multiple uh, energies. The um, groups of stones might be angel stones and uh, synergistic stones. Might be a topic of a show one day. I should do that. I'm, I'm making a note for that. Um, anyway, that's that's phenocite. Um, the uh, I know people that work with the Akashic records are fond of it. They say it helps with the download of the information. So uh, explore, uh, it's a very advanced stone to work with. This is not your pink rose quartz type of stone. It's a very advanced stone. Uh, experiment with it. Study it. It's very interesting. And that's our crystal of the week, phenakite. If you go to org and go to the uh, prayer petition page, the prayer request page, you can join me, if you like, with our weekly prayers, and uh, i read a few of them And I never identify people by name, no, I try not to, and uh, sometimes I get up in the spirit and I blurt out a name, but I apologize for that, but um, I use uh, the prayer ID number, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and start. We have some prayers tonight we need to get around to, so prayer ID number 87916 who says she has lost her way. And she says, I pray for infinite spirit to show me the way I'm lost and alone. I pray for opportunities, community, love, and success to come quickly in grace and with no harm to none. I pray to be free and live the life of my dreams and to live happily. Amen. What a nice prayer. Prayer ID 87915, who says and prays, God, may I please get the assistant director's position for MD in the, oh my goodness, in the Frankenstein play. Thank you all for helping me with my prayers. She wants to be the assistant director for the Frankenstein play. Prayer ID 87914, please pray that my baby and I have a smooth pregnancy and everything is okay. Prayer ID 87912. Please send healing to my son for what he is struggling with and do not give up hope that his learning issues and lack of confidence in school and participating in sports or making lasting friendships will get better and there is a greater plan with gratitude. Amen. Prayer ID 87911. He says, Please pray for... RP, strength and to keep strong in studying. He wants to make good grades, but sometimes feels depressed when he doesn't pass his tests. He needs to believe and have faith in Jesus. He needs to stay away from negativity and people he always has anger towards his mother. He needs so much healing prayers. He needs to stay focused on his studies and to be strong to finish college and to not give up. He feels like people are always talking bad about him. Please, amen. Prayer ID 87910 He says, Please pray that my root work on M will be successful, that the Lord will answer my prayers of returning M to me so that we can grow old together. As M promised me that we would, pray for M to be reminded of this promise he made to me. After In-depth reading from a member of Air. I know that M still loves me, and I can feel M's love for me wherever I see him. Please pray that M will confess his love for me soon, and it will stop hiding it. Amen. Okay, let me... Prayer ID 87907. I need money, steady work, and success in my academic pursuits. I'm blessed with good luck and good fortune. Amen. Prayer ID 87904. Please pray for a healing on this relationship between B and J. Amen. Prayer ID 87903. Please take the bad curse off of me that such so has put on my family and I. Please don't let her evil work on us anymore. Let my family and I be blessed. Please let her realize we know she tries to manipulate us into thinking we did something wrong and puts us down and tries to abuse us mentally to thinking it's us and not her daughter's actions. She needs to pray for her daughter and get her help. Stop blaming others and hurting them. Praise Jesus. Amen. And prayer ID 87902. Lord, bless my mom to become whole and heal her of cancer. Lord, give her a miraculous healing because you can do all things. You are the most powerful. Lord, I pray in your darling son's Jesus' name. Amen. And prayer ID 87900. Please help me with prayer, asking that my lover L.B., prison sentence, be reduced, hoping he gets sent closer to home. Release from prison, amen. Prayer ID 87899. I have two little girls that I've been fighting for to get them home. His wife has put a black spell on me to take my kids from me, and when in court, she has put a spell on my kids' dad. She is with another man, but uses him for money. Please help me help him see what she's doing to my kids. Please pray I win my appeal on unemployment for $300 a week. Pray I win full custody of my angels. The VPO against S for the threats and slander on F on Facebook. Amen. And one more. Prayer ID 87897. Pray for me that every dollar I spent or spend from October 26th through November 9th gets returned 10 times via my cash app a v n n f patreon by avon o h and please let people give me gift cards thank you amen <laughs> me too I want money and let's have a moment of silent prayer for all those in need of of affirmation and comfort and support and cash. Amen. Well, tonight we're talking about Trump 20, Judgment, and Judgment indicates the um, um, the image of the angel, uh, possibly Gabriel, blowing his horn, the um, dead rising from their tombs, re flesh, which is, by the way, the biblical description of uh, resurrection, judgment day. Um, it's a, uh, an amusing thing to me when uh, Christians talk about their soul going to heaven and leaving their body. And we're going to go into that because that is the background of the judgment card. This is the Christian, biblical, uh, Judeo-Christian version of resurrection, as you see it in this card, a resurrection of a um, um incorruptible fleshy body, not a soul leaving uh the body um, i'm serious- the, the idea of a soul leaving the body and going into an afterlife is a pagan belief, and this is, cracks me up, but uh we'll go into that you know, um, we're going to go into that. So the idea of the resurrection of the dead um, has been a doctrine of many religions. Uh, and it goes back to prehistory. Um, you can find it in Christian belief, Islamic belief, Jewish belief, and Zoroastrian belief. Uh, as you know, Zoroastrian uh, uh, religion was the first monotheic religion, and it goes way, it goes way back, so uh, before any of them. Uh, And the idea was that you died and you came back. Uh, um, So uh, let's trace it through history as best we can. I've got lots of notes on this. I've I've always been very fascinated with it. The denial of resurrection to me is almost an aberrant belief. The denial that there's something after death seems to me to be an aberration. Um, And, uh, You know, when people say, "Well, when you're dead, you're dead," it's like, you know, well, okay, you're entitled to that, but what's wrong with you? Uh, You know, uh, there's something missing um, to such a belief. So, but in Judaism, um, it is believed, or was believed, that the God of Israel will one day give uh, life to the dead uh, to the righteous during the Messianic age, and they'll live forever in the world to come. And um, these beliefs are based in prophecies contained in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Isaiah, um, the book of Ezekiel, and the book of Daniel. So uh, the resurrection of the dead seems like a core belief uh, among the traditional Judaic uh, scripture. Um, this belief is expressed in the Jewish liturgy, in the morning prayer. Um and in the funeral services. Um uh made it the last of his thirteen articles of faith, uh which says, I firmly believe that there will take place a revival of the dead at a time which will please the Creator, blessed be his name. Um and there's three explicit um and undeniably uh described places In the Hebrew Bible, the people being physically resurrected from the dead um, by the prophet Elisha, which is why Elijah is very respected uh, among root workers as well. Uh, The prophet Elijah prays, and God raises his boy from the death in the first book of Kings, uh, 17, verse 17 through 20. Then Elisha raises the son of the Shammamite woman in the second uh, book of Kings. Four verses 32 through 37 um, and then a dead man's body uh, was thrown into Elisha's tomb <laughs> and there uh, uh, well, there's nothing but Elisha's bones and Elisha was so holy that, the, that when this dead body, this dead man touched Elisha's bones uh, uh, he immediately sprang to his feet alive and this is in the uh, second book of Kings uh, verse 21. So, um, during the second temple period, uh, the very schools of Judaism developed a whole bunch of beliefs concerning the resurrection. Uh, the concept of resurrecting physical body uh, is found in 2nd uh, Maccabees, uh, according to which it will happen through resurrection of the flesh. And um, You'll find it in uh, the books of Enoch, in the Apocalypse of Baruch, and in the second, Esdras. So uh, we can continue and continue and continue, but you'll find it. Um, Now, the New Testament, as we move into the Christian era, claims that the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but does not specify whether this is included in the flesh or not. Uh, According to the Jewish scholar uh, Josephus, Who You know, Josephus was a Pharisee. Um, Not a lot of people know that, but Josephus was a Pharisee. Uh, And according to Josephus, um, the Pharisees believed that only the soul was immortal and the souls of good people would be reincarnated and pass into other bodies, while the souls of the wicked would just suffer eternal punishment. So the Pharisees believed in reincarnation. to pause and let that in. The Pharisees believed in reincarnation. And the Pharisees as you know, were Jewish. And I hope my friend Jeremy's listening to this. But Paul the Apostle, who was also a Pharisee, right? That at the resurrection, what's so known as a natural body is raised in a spiritual body he believed that the natural body died and the spiritual body was reborn. So there was a vast uh, uh, array of beliefs at the time concerning the afterlife. Uh, so, to move into the Christian era, uh, the first epistle to the Corinthians, uh, There are ter- there's a term for the resurrection of the dead, uh, and Paul the Apostle, uh, quotes, actually, from the book of Hosea, where he speaks of the abolition of death. Um, Paul the Apostle wrote that those who will be resurrected to eternal life will be resurrected with spiritual bodies, which are imperishable. The flesh and blood of natural perishable bodies, he says, can't inherit the kingdom of God. And likewise, those that are corruptible will not receive incorruption. So Paul doesn't explicitly say that immortality is exclusive to physical bodies. Some scholars understand that uh, or claim that according to Paul, which is simply no part uh, to immortality. Paul never says that, though. This is an assumption as modern Christianity moves away from the idea of a physical resurrection. But the Gospels, though, unfortunately, Uh, for that argument is exemplified the resurrection of Jesus in the flesh there's an empty tomb in Mark in the book of Mark, the woman embraced the feet of the resurrected Jesus in Matthew you got more than one witness the insistence of the resurrected Jesus in Luke that he is a flesh and bones and not just a spirit and the resurrected Jesus encouraging to touch his wounds in the book of John Several witnesses that Jesus rose in the flesh. You know, unless you're utter skeptic, just say that was a bunch of bullshit. In the Act of the Apostles, <clears throat> um, uh, the Apostle, Paul the Apostle, defends the doctrine of the resurrection. Paul brought up the resurrection in his trial before Aeneas, <clears throat> and uh, the expression was variously used in reference um, to the whole idea of resurrection um, all the way through to the modern age. Now, most Christian denominations profess the Nicene Creed. You'll find that pretty much every church I've ever been in uh, has some version of the Nicene Creed. Um, and uh, which uh, the Nicene Creed was uh, adopted uh, in uh, 320. 5, 3.30, something like that, by the Council of Nasia. Um, And uh, part of it affirms the resurrection of the dead, which includes the phrase, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. It's ambiguous. It doesn't say spirit or heaven or uh, flesh or earth. So the uh, the Christian, early Christian writers in the second century wrote against the idea that only the soul would survive. Many of them, uh, including uh, a chap by the name of Justin Martyr, uh, insisted that man is both soul and body and Christ has promised to raise both just as his own body was raised. Followers of the Christ until recently Believed that they would follow Christ, be resurrected at the end of history, both flesh and bone, well, you know, flesh and bone and soul. While the Christian doctrine of resurrection is based on Jewish belief, um, this emphasis on actual flesh um, uh, being resurrected um, uh, may paralleled the traditional Greek beliefs that immortality always had to involve body and soul. The the Greeks had a concept called pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma, which meant both breath and soul. Um, uh, The Greeks held a few individuals had been resurrected to physical immortality, like uh, Hercules, for instance. this really was the best possible. Uh, there wasn't any real uh, enduring ancient Greek belief, general resurrection of the dead. Uh, most Greek philosophies maintained that once a body had been destroyed, there was no possibility of it returning to life, um, as not even the gods could recreate flesh. Most in the Greek beliefs, the soul went to an afterlife you know, like Hades. The idea of the soul would leave the body. Once the body was destroyed, the pneuma would go to H- the Hades or be ris- rose, you know, risen place in the sky, right? So the heaven and hell concept basically comes from the pagans. Thank you very much. The idea of the early Christians was that, you know, quite recently... Was a physical resurrection in an indestructible body. So several early church fathers argue about the Christian resurrection beliefs. Um, uh, in many ways, uh, the human body could not be annihilated, only dissolved. This is as the uh, scientific rationality uh, starts to come in. How could this happen? You know, how could the body be rebuilt? Uh, so they said, the human body cannot be annihilated, it only dissolved. It cannot even be integrated into the bodies of those who devoured it. So now you so see, you talk about the Christian missionaries uh, going to various places in the world where they were being killed and eaten, right? Thus, God only had to reassemble the minute parts of the dissolved bodies in the resurrection, raised from the dust, right? Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. So, traditional Christian churches, the ones that adhere to the creeds, continue to this day, right? And I've been in those churches, continue to uphold the belief that there will be a general and universal resurrection of the dead at the end of time. As described by Paul when he said, he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world, which is in Acts 17 verse 31. And there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both the just and the unjust, as described in Acts 24, verse 15. And this comes very close to describing what we see in Trump. So early Christian church fathers defend this resurrection of the dead against the pagan belief that the immortal soul went to the underworld immediately after death. This is a direct quote from a uh, a book on religious theology i had in front of me. Apparently, however, uh, as we know, most Christians popularly believe that the souls of the righteous go to heaven immediately after death. Huh. So at the close of uh, uh, the medieval period, um, right before the Renaissance and the Enlightenment age, um, there was a shift in Christian thinking from the resurrection the idea of the resurrection of the physical body back toward the idea of the immortality of the spirit, the soul. And um, there was this is because there's a change in the um, uh, the and change in people, the change in civilization, the change in uh, ideology as a reaction to the Renaissance and later to the uh, age of rationalism um, um, from the 17th to the 19th century, the language of religion no longer evoked the resurrection of the soul, but everlasting life. We went away from dying and rebirth to everlasting life, which is what we hear quite a bit now. He shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And although theological textbooks still mention resurrection, it was dealt with um, more of uh, like existentialism than it was as a uh, physical phenomenon, that you did not die and stay dead until the end of time, and then you were brought back in a body now, um now, up to that time at a time when this was a universal belief, it was widely believed this to rise on judgment, your body had to be whole and perfectly um uh intact, so a lot of people wouldn't allow pieces to be removed. There are still people who won't allow organs to be removed because of this belief um and uh, some churches and some doctrines said that your feet your feet had to be to the east so that the person would rise facing God on judgment day. Uh, so there were a lot of um, um, restrictions to this. It was considered uh, an extra punishment for uh, criminals to have their bodies uh, carved up in medical schools because, right, you're a... Your body had to be intact to go to heaven or to, or to rise on Judgment Day. So, um, after execution, if your body was cut up, then you could rise intact on Judgment Day, according to this belief. So, that sort of changed over time. Um, so, really, it was not until, from what I can tell, um, the late 19th century that the link between the body and resurrection. Um, was uh, uh, became widespread Um, now it turns out that in uh, Catholicism according to the Catholic encyclopedia um, St. Augustine was quoted as saying no doctrine of the Christian faith is so vehemently and so obstinately opposed as the doctrine of the resurrection of the flesh. So uh, apparently the Catholics were never never big behind this. Uh, um, according to the Summa Theologica, spiritual beings that have been restored to glorified bodies will have uh, these qualities. Impassibility, which is unity from death and pain. Uh, Soulity, freedom from restraint by matter. That means the spirits can pass through walls, right? Agility, the ability to move through space and time with the speed of thought, so spirits can uh, move not only through space but through time. And clarity, uh, which is a um, resplendent beauty of the soul manifested in the body. So uh, the church adds that, um, the resurrection of all the dead of both the just and the unjust, which is described in acts twenty four verse fifteen will precede the last judgment. This will be the hour when all who are in the tombs will hear the Son of man's voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the re- resurrection of judgment. so we've uh, beaten this horse half to death. the idea that um Christian theology teaches us that the dead rise from the tomb oh uh. Zoroastrianism. We can't go out without talking about uh, Uh, Zoroastrianism. The Zoroastrian belief um, in an end times renovation of the earth uh, includes some form of revival of the dead that can be attested from no earlier than the fourth century before the Christian era. Um, the, The final renovation of is when evil will be destroyed and everything else will be then in perfect unity with God. So, this doctrine, the doctrinal premises of the Zoroastrianism is good will eventually prevail over evil. Creation was initially perfect, perfectly good, but was subsequently corrupted by evil. That happened in 2016, didn't it? The world will ultimately be restored to the perfection it had at the time of creation. And the salvation for the individual depended on the sum of that person's thoughts, words, and deeds, and there could be no intervention, whether compassionate or capricious, by any divine being to alter this. Therefore, um, every human being bears the responsibility and the fate of his soul and simultaneously shares in the responsibility for the fate of the world. It's a very advanced doctrine. Summed up in very few sentences it's it's very advanced let's take a break from this and we'll come back after station identification to see how this um, um, uh, ties into our uh, interpretation of the judgment card. Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condrum Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5, and the Witch, the Priestess and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay. Fridays 6 to 7 all-time specific. Add three hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com. I always like uh, when I draw this card uh, I always like to read um, and the mortal puts on immortality; shall come to pass the saying that is written: Death is swallowed up in victory. Man, does that make your hair stand up on end? Look that up. It's uh, First Book of Corinthians 15, um, verses 15 through 54. Does that not just make your hair stand up in end? It Shall come to pass the saying that is written: Death is swallowed up in victory. That's like something Lovecraft would write, except, you know, it's optimistic. (laughs) Man, that is good. I always like to read that when judgment comes up uh, in a divination. There's a message for you in this card. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And that's what happens in this judgment day. There's a blast of trumpet. Um, That trumpet blast is mentioned a lot. Uh, in the Bible. There's uh, several verses. Um, um oh gosh, there uh, oh my goodness. Um oh I can tell you quite a few more I'd have to go looking for it but there's uh, uh first book of Corinthians uh fifteen. Um, uh I'll, we just said that one. Um there's there's somebody in there you talk about um the trumpet the trumpet being blown uh, um, the the sound of his voice he calls he uh, he cries out um, um, there's a call, and the dead with just a single word, the blast of the trumpet, the cry, and the dead the dead shall emerge in their tombs. Um, what does this mean well? Is there a literal meaning? Is there a metaphorical meaning? Yes, Uh, yes, all of that. So um, there is a call, there's a call, and we, there's a, there's, we see all of life filled with the spiritual light. We see this, all things, even inanimate objects, according to uh, the shamanistic beliefs have a, a spirit or a manitude. Rock, stones, um, uh, everything has a manitude. The crystals themselves vibrate with a vibration. Everything has a spiritual light. And this is an eternal truth. We just This is uh, a fundamental quality of the universe, to put it that way, that there's something in there that vibrates to... The voice of the Creator. And this awareness of this eternal truth free you from all illusion and all fear so that you feel another call. Once you no longer are listening to fear and illusion, there's another call. And this is a call from deep inside you, which is the urge to dissolve the separation between yourself and everything else the seeming separation of your spirit from the spirit of everything else. And of course, that separation doesn't exist. The vibration, that light, uh, that life you see eminent in everything else is not distinguishable from the imperishable light within yourself. So that call comes from both inside and outside ourselves, which can be very confusing, and that's an existential crisis. You know, you try to find yourself, well, you know, look around. Um, so, these artificial barriers between inner experience and outer world uh, are very formidable. And they become more formidable the more you try to analyze them and break them down because all you're doing is adding more bricks upon the pile of illusion, right? So, we feel this call sometimes to spirit in the deepest self imaginable. And it's like the very uh, DNA of our bodies vibrate with yearning and desire, um, at the same time a kind of joy because we're recognizing this life force that's everywhere, uh, and that's the, that's the trumpet, that call, that life, that call of life. So this idea of judgment uh, as a call to rise to a more meaningful existence um has a very high spiritual meaning, but also just in daily life, more ordinary situations. Sometimes you just come to a turn in the road, and, uh, you know, uh, we have a crossroad right there in the banner. You know, there's a crossroad, and that comes up so many times in spirituality. We talk about being at the crossroads, being at the fork in the road, being at a turning point. That comes up so many times. It's very important that uh, a decision is required where do you go? What direction? And you know, the thing about a fork in the road, and I made this point today. Some people say, well, I don't know which fork to take. Well, there's a third fork. You turn around and go back the way you came. And most people don't even think about that. You know, you're walking down the road, there's a fork in the road, and they say, do I go left, do I go right, or do, okay, or do you turn around and go back? You know, there's always that. Retreat is always an option as well. A lot of people don't think about that third fork, but in the crossroads, we, we, we're talking about, there's, you're in the middle, You're standing perfectly still, and there's four different directions. And sometimes um, uh, if you just stand still and listen to that higher harmonic, you'll see the decision has already been made, and it was made long before you arrived at that fork in the road. And uh, the only choice left is as far as the conscious self, is involved is to just follow the predetermined decision with a victorious action. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So most versions of this Trump before uh, Roderick, Wait and Smith show only an angel and the figures rising up. That's all you see. Um, Sometimes you'll see the little yod shapes uh, that you often see in some of these cards, uh, the first letter of God's name, showing that this is a divine act, you know that God is there. Um, but Roderick Waite gives us these mountains in the, um, um, in the background, and uh, he even tells us what these are. Uh, Arthur Waite calls them the mountains of abstract thought. He actually calls them that, the mountains of abstract thought, which implies, doesn't it, that eternal truth beyond the limited knowledge available through us, through the uh, physical body, the corruptible body, is available um, uh, through ordinary means. That There is a a higher knowledge uh, out there on the horizon uh, that is available to us, Mm -hmm. the mountains of abstract thought. So, um, one of the frustrating features of uh, of uh, life, of uh, ethics, morality, uh, uh, spiritual matters, is the complete inability of the physical self to know anything in an absolute sense. We cannot uh, comprehend reality. In a um, absolute sense, we can't. We cannot. This is a uh, uh, fundamental concept. Uh, uh, Plato talked about this a whole lot. You know, this is all idea of the Platonic concept. You know, there's no, there's no somewhere in some uh, divine consciousness. There's a perfect square, but we can't make one. And we talked about this in New Thought in the mind of the divine consciousness there's a perfect you and a perfect me and we try to align our physical bodies our physical selves with that concept and the closer we can align ourselves with that perfect uh, uh, image uh, the closer we can come to that uh, in terms of perfect health perfect consciousness perfect achievement so um we're just bound by this uh, lifespan we have, you know, a hundred years or less or so. Um, And the idea that all knowledge that comes to our minds is through the imperfect uh, uh, media of the senses uh, that, you know, our our brains create pictures and models of reality based on very inaccurate input um, that we're we're bound to have a a very bad model of what goes on around us. So, um, and, and even in modern physics, and this I know is going to crush and break the hearts of uh, people who are uh, followers of scientism. But in modern physics, even the scientific methods of investigation can never form an exact picture of reality because of the fact of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, the observer is always part of the phenomena that he or she is observing. And as long as you're part if the observer is part of the observed, the observer and the observed cannot be distinguished from each other. One is always influencing the other. You cannot have an objective observer. And in this very same way, every person's thoughts about and perceptions of life are conditioned by experience, by past experiences, and it's not possible to view anything without the conditioning of past experiences. So abstract thought implies a sense of the absolute. And if you want to really get into that, look into Plato and look into Christian merity. Is it possible to separate chair from the concept of chair can you, can you separate the observed from the observer in a relationship when you've been married for 20 years? Is it possible? And Christian Murdy actually asked this very question. Can you deal with your wife? You know, Can you interrelate with your wife on a day-to-day basis about the conditioning of everything that's happened between you over the past 20 years? Um, is it possible? And he, he doesn't answer the question, and he doesn't ask you to answer. He just says, consider it. Let's go into this. Consider it. Is it possible? So, this abstraction that we're talking about, by making that descent into this um, void, this uh, transparency of reality, uh, is to rise up liberated and reborn from all this incomplete knowledge. Death is a dissolution, it's not an end, it's a dissolving. The ego dies and then is reborn as the fall of the absolute brings it out of this dissolution into enlightenment. And so the card is called judgment because it involves coming to terms with past experience as a part of going beyond it. it it's similar to justice. you got judgment and justice, and you confuse the two. It's like, well, what's the difference between justice and judgment? justice involves coming to terms too but with justice the experience and the response were personal and based on actions in the past but this is a force greater than yourself is calling you that's why we have the angel we have you know, Jesus, you have God uh, this judgment is not simply on the meaning of your own life but on the true nature of the existence itself what, it, what is it to be alive what is death and resurrection what is death and rebirth this is the very essential question what is it to be alive what is it to be alive this is death to birth itself this is the the ego dying this is uh, the dissolution of self and the rebirth of something better and greater a true realization I know what it is to be myself I know what it is to be alive not the illusion of life but true life this is something greater than yourself calling you. This is the true na- the understanding of true nature itself and how you then how all life, all beings fit in. Your place and how everything else fits in. You're no longer separate from everything else, you're part of everything. That's why we have the man, the woman, and the child. All beings. So on that note, I, I don't have anything else to tell you. At this point, we could start talking about you know Buddhism, but uh, I, I won't. Um, I'll tell you that the cross has a lot of symbology. Um, there's a meeting of opposites, a joint of all the things that have been separated, uh, um, a meeting of all times, past, present, and future, ordinary time that we perceive with all senses, and eternity, which is the uh, timeless perception of spirit um the uh only the other card in the deck that has an angel is the lovers um uh, that on the uh the lovers that angel um uh, was blessing the uh uh the physical union of man and woman but in this this angel is um blessing the spiritual union of with all other souls uh, here's a child between the people oh there's so much here um, uh, the poles of man and woman and life to create a new life the um, just like every child is a combination of its parents something new um, it's part of the old but something new in itself um, the child is with his back to us you know why would he not be? Well, uh, maybe this new being is a mystery. We we do not know the true face yet. You know, it's a Zen Cohen for you. What is your face before you're born, right? Uh, His face implies we don't really know ourselves yet. We can't know ourselves until we respond to the call. Has the child responded to the call yet? We don't know. Um, All the great heroes in history were separated. their parents as a child. This child obviously was. He died, right, Um, as a child. And then uh, the child, uh, King uh, King Arthur, Moses, Christ, uh, they found out who they were. Um, uh, Their hero ship were called from without. Sometimes we forget our true identities, and we have to find them later. The call from above. Well, we have less than a minute left, and once again, uh, we've evolved into these uh, mysteries uh, together. Next week, we finish with uh, Trump 21, The World, and we'll be done. You know the Reverend loves you. Thanks. See you next week.